Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rudy Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani with the Rudy Giuliani Show. Welcome, America. Here we are on Friday, getting ready for kind of end of summer weekend. So I hope you're going to do something summery this weekend. I just talked to my friend, my friend, Mr. Kelly, and he's going to do a little relaxation. He's not going to do a show tonight, but it's like a vacation for him. <laughs> he works hard, and he's good. He's really good. Um, and I did a, I did a uh, an interview for for John for Sunday, so I feel like I did the whole show. Time to go home. Uh, no, not really. So let me first tell you what I can, uh, and I'm going to be very circumspect about this because here's my here's my rule about grand ju- grand juries. So I, you know I conducted grand juries forever and ever when I was U- U.S. attorney, from very short ones to very long ones to the ones that brought down the Teamsters Union or the mafia or former Nazis or extraordinarily complex financial cases to just bank robberies. And grand jury secrecy is, to me, sacred, as is leaking investigations. So I'm not going to tell you what happened in the grand jury. I'm going to tell you the area they're investigating. You know that. They're investigating the, what, what is described in the newspapers as the fake, uh, um, the fake electors. Now, 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 here's the other side of it, which I think is the truth. Is, is, I know it's the truth, but I think this is the more rational side of it. There's nothing fake about them. Nobody hit them. <laughs> They're alternative electors. They, they, would, they would substitute as electors if the uh, legislature or the Congress made a decision that the state should be uh, changed and awarded from uh, Biden to Trump or vice versa if Biden were in that situation. And if you now, now, here's the problem. If you don't have them, should that decision get made after the Electoral College, when it still can be made, you will get no votes. So you have no choice. I don't understand how they're making this into a fraud or a crime. Professor Eastman's theory is not fraudulent. It's a completely upfront, easy to understand not very complicated. Nobody's fooled by it. Nobody thought they were the real electors. For them to be the real electors, somebody would have to have voted them the real electors. Now, you might have a dispute as to who is the proper body to do that. Is it the state legislature, which I would say yes, originally based on Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution, which Democrats pretend doesn't exist. And they're trying to legislate out of existence because – Presidential elections, unlike congressional elections, are in the sole discretion of the state legislature. The Supreme Court has been very, very um, 
very, very complete in its explanation of this all throughout the years. I mean, there's a decision in the end of the of the uh, 18th century that says that they're or nine, sorry, 19th century in which they say that their their uh, power is plenary. So they they can delegate it to the governor or to the legislature or, or to the uh, uh, sec- secretaries and commissioners, but they can take it back any time. And in the case of alleged fraud, they can take it back. And that's what we were asking them to do. And should they change their mind, then these then these electors would be available only under those circumstances. No fraud, no fooling, nobody lying. And their description of fake electors is like their description of the charges against Biden were debunked. <laughs> Some debunked, right? They got a new one every day now. I used to say when they say to me, the, the, the charges in Ukraine were debunked. I would say, show me the, the debunking report. I've been through the, I don't see any debunking report. I see an awful lot of evidence, but I don't see a debunking report. Well, when they, when they call me a, a, a Russian agent, uh, that one I thought, I thought was hilarious. I got it from the Russians. Mac, I, I, I mean, I, I know exactly where I got it from. I did a due diligence on that uh, with Bob Costello for more time than the Post did. Post went through it again on their own. They didn't have to. I mean, Costello and I are professionals. He, he was an assistant U.S. attorney for about the same time that I was. He was my, he was my student assistant. We know how to, how to verify even more important documents than that. And now it's, you know, beyond any doubt, valid, true, and reveals an untold number of crimes committed by the president of the United States, withheld from the American people deliberately so that um, if you don't want to say it was a fraudulent election based on the counting of the vote, you can say it was a fraudulent election in that material information of the worst kind was withheld from you on purpose. So um, my impression of... um, my impression of what's going to happen in Atlanta is there's nowhere to go. There's no way to make a fraud case based on what is a straightforward dispute. Uh, unless you buy the you're not allowed to say stolen election. But if you're saying stolen election, you are absolutely and completely lying. And what that, uh, uh, what that ignores is the substantial, overwhelming amount of evidence that the election was stolen. When I say the election was stolen, it's based on affidavits of American citizens who explain precisely how the election was stolen. They explain how the ballots were counted and 135,000 ballots that came in in a very strange way, like in a garbage truck for Biden and 13,000 for Trump, 135 to 13,000. This is after all these places were closed down. And I want you to remember two things that give it away completely, if, if you're smart. Uh, one, in every single one of the five crooked cities in which they did this, they put Republicans in pens and wouldn't let them see any of the paper ballots because they knew in each one of the five crooked Democratic cities they were in, the paper ballots contain many, many phony ballots. Many witnesses, I can't tell you how many. I, I will go home at some point and add this all up 
But thousands, I would say, of witnesses observed pristine ballots. What that means is ballots that were not folded. So they could not have been absentee ballots because absentee ballots have to be folded, put into an envelope in order to be made secure, and then sent in. If they're not folded, they're not secure, and they're invalid. And there's a lot more to this than that, but this is based on witnesses or the 7,000 people who went to vote in Pittsburgh and somebody had voted for them already. 7,000 people that voted for them already. (sighs) Okay, so I think, and now let me say something surprising. The four district attorneys, I think it was a little much having to have four district attorneys and just poor little me without my lawyers. I mean, I'm just a, I mean, I'm a suspended lawyer. What do I know? But I was able to handle myself. But they were, they were professional, 100%. I take my hat off to them. They handled it professionally. And the grand jury was to the point of being cordial and friendly. And the four lady asked to shake hands with me, and I did. And then the uh, district attorney uh, gave us the courtesy of going to see her and shaking our hands and thanking us for coming. So I have to say that these things can be done. I'm shocked in a cordial way compared to the uh, unethical, uh, mean-spirited, sarcastic, nasty way in which the Mueller people conducted themselves. Uh, which would have been probably make a great book on prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, these people go right to the top of the class. So uh, the, the raid is getting more and more uh, uh, disturbing. It is now at the point, as I was saying to, um, as I was saying to Greg, it can't be legitimate. There's no possible way that you have a legitimate reason to raid a a, uh, former president. And uh, whatever it is, is so unimportant, you you can wait four weeks to decide whether to do it. And then when you do do it, the magistrate is so impressed with the urgency of it that he gives you 11 days to go get it. And then you, the FBI, are so impressed with the urgency of it that you take the weekend off before you go get it. You put those three sets of facts together and we just we have either the most incompetent group of people ever to serve the United States government. or We have information that is not terribly dangerous or critical because it's being handled in a way that you handle information that is not terribly dangerous or critical. A president of the United States should not be pursued on something like this, on something where you can take four weeks to think about it where you can take 11 days to sit with the warrant and wait. And when you do get the warrant, you take a weekend off so you can get a nice suntan in Palm Beach. Can't you see the practicality? Can't you see the common sense of it? Can't you see how that cracks right through the idea that this was so important that you, could, you, you can destroy 235 years of precedent and you can render us a banana republic? These people have lied throughout. Every single situation that's come up, I've been telling the truth and they've been lying. Why do you think it, cha- it would change now on, with January 6th? 
You don't think they exaggerated it way beyond what it was? Was it bad? Yeah. Was it uh, the Civil War? No. Was it September 11? No. Was it a revolution? No. Was it an insurrection? Absolutely not. You don't do an insurrection without guns and without planning. Well, we're going to have, uh, after 3.30, John Tobacco, who's the host of Wise Guys on Newsmax. And I'll, he's going to tell you about that show. That is a fun, fun show. I've been on it twice. And I'm going to have him on, so he puts me on again, because I enjoy, I enjoy very, very much being on that show. They'll be on at 3.30, and we're going to take a short break now, and then we'll, we'll have another little segment before... We get to them. We got a few more things to cover. We'll get a couple of your calls. Okay. America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. This is Rudy Giuliani back with you with the Rudy Giuliani show. And as I said, at three uh, thirty after that uh, break, we'll have the we'll have the host of the Wise Guys, uh, John Tobacco, on, and we'll discuss his show and a lot of other things. John is a very knowledgeable, very very knowledgeable guy. I'm sure you've all seen him on television. Heard him on radio. And let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Mr. Mayor, your son, substituting for you, did an excellent job. Surprisingly, he sounded like one of the most articulate people on talk radio. And I've been listening to talk radio 100 years. But I have to Thank get back you. to uh, the stuff you're talking about now is so, so very important. The European Union, remember, Gorbachev called the European Union the new European Soviet, okay, because Europe was being brought together basically into a part of the world government. So Gorbachev made a speech, so you got to check this out, May 6, 1992, May 6, 1992, Westminster College, Fulton, Missouri. Gorbachev made the speech that was called the end of the Cold War speech, where he called for, listen to this, this sounds crazy, but you could check it out. Gorbachev openly called for a new world order. He called for strengthening the United Nations, a global tax to impose and or enforce the peace. And uh, the UN declared 1986 the, the uh, year of peace. That's when Gorbachev was in charge of the Soviet Union. The Soviet press, Gorbachev's Soviet press at the time, was pushing openly the strategies by name of Antonio Gramsci, also mm-hmm. pushing the strategies of Czechoslovakia, basically get control of the government, coalition government, which we have now, communist and non-communist, use the government agencies, weaponize them to go after the opposition. They write about changing mass thought patterns. We are under serious assault between the world communist movement and the globalists working together, and Gorbachev, Gorbachev pulled them all together. I thought these groups are sort of competing, but they're all working together. So you got the billionaire globalists, the corporations working with the communist movement. Here's another fact. World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, all the Americans who died, World War II, in the war, because of the war, from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq, all the Americans died in those wars. We lost twice as much Americans in the last couple of years without having an right. open war from communist China between the heroin, the fentanyl, and the virus. We lost twice as much during peace with the communists than we did during all those wars I just mentioned. The communist strategy, China, 
Sun Tzu, 2,500 years ago, armed conflict is the most primitive form of warfare. So they're beating us now. They're winning elections. They're cheating in elections. They got control of the schools, the media. They're shaping opinions. They write that they change mass thought patterns. So Absolutely. what you're doing is more important than most people could understand. No, and I, I, know and you I understand it. And I think it reflects itself when you see these slips like, uh, what was it, a week ago when Pelosi talked about what a how free uh, China is, what a free country it is. I don't think that's a mistake. I think, I think if it is, it's a, Freudian, it's a Freudian mistake. I mean, there's no question that they have infiltrated and they've used, uh, they've used their money, they've used their power, they've used uh, the kind of thing they did with Hunter Biden, which is to compromise him with a prostitute and, and get his – I mean, they have one of his computers that, that I don't have. And uh, and 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 then to, you know, pump 31 million or more into the vice president of the United States. I mean, that completely compromises him. And if you ever took a look at the pictures on the Biden computer, I mean, they've got all those pictures probably three times more. And also all the deals. And and they and they uh, probably have um, I'm not going to say twice as many deals as we have, but I'm going to say twenty or thirty percent more, because there are deals there I can't run down. Like for example, I can't run down the three point five million. In fact, if there's somebody's out there that's done that, and you'd like to help me, that's one of them I can't. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know from sources, good sources, that they got a lot more. That the Biden's got a lot more than three point five million from Russia. But uh, all I all we have uh, that we can prove is at three point five million. And that's good enough. I mean, if John Kennedy or, or Ronald Reagan had gotten three point five million dollars from the Soviet Union, <laughs> I'd probably been executed. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's totally ridiculous that he flies around as our president and got all that money from China. It's totally ridiculous, and it's totally ridiculous. Nobody's investigating why we gave away the Bagwam Air Force Base. It's totally ridiculous. It means nobody cares about the security of the United States. So don't tell me they were worried about the security of the United States with Trump having them. Look, they were locked away at Mar-a-Lago. They weren't exactly uh, sitting on Times Square and 42nd Street. He wasn't burning them or bashing them or whitewashing them or doing the stuff the Democrats do. And they had gone and made a visit to make sure they were secure and said everything was okay. And they were so anxious to get their hands on it, they took four weeks, got an 11-day window, and then took three days to get around to doing it, which tells you ain't so important and not anything that should be a criminal charge. This was a dispute about documents that was so freaking unimportant it took a year and a half to get around to doing it, four weeks to make up your mind, 11-day window to go get it, and, and you took advantage of three days when they could have been destroyed. So go tell that to some stupid person uh, like you think we are. Like you think we are. Let's go to Joe. If we got time in Long Island. I think we got time for one more question. Joe. Yes, hello, Rudy. I'm infuriated. First of all, I'm confident that the Republicans are going to win the House this November, but 
I'm greedy, and I want the Senate too. Me too. Me too. Oh, that's become wait, just that's become very iffy. But it's not for the reasons that Republicans like Mitch McConnell are telling you. Mitch McConnell's part of the same Rhino Republican establishment that never liked Trump. So I don't think he's too crazy about the Trump-endorsed Republican Senate candidates. And on Tucker Carlson last night, they said that the NRSC has just pulled support from Senate candidates in Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. And what's going on? Can, uh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. I mean, the, 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 I was ju- uh, uh, I was just in Georgia. He's within the margin of error. I was well, with I, 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 I had dinner. I, I mean, the night before I testified, I had dinner with a bunch of Georgia Republicans and Herschel. I mean, Herschel's down by like two, three percent. And, you know, if a Republican's down by two, I never was ahead ever when I won an election. If a when, when uh, I I told Trump both elections you're down by three percent we win. Uh, Republicans never are ahead, and and on the uh, generic ballot when we when uh, Newt Gingrich wiped the living daylights out of them, and what did we take eighty seats? We've been down by three percent. Boy, they're getting like Fox calling Arizona. We'll be back after the break, and we'll have the wonderful John Tobacco. Wise guys, wise guys. The former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Rudy Giuliani, back with the Rudy Giuliani Show. And is, um, is John on the line? Well, this is my honor to uh, present John uh, Tobacco, who's the host of Wise Guys on Newsmax. Gotta be the funniest show on television. And it combines, it's not, when I say funny, I mean it's substantive and funny. You gotta watch it. There's no way to describe this show. John, you're having fun with it, right? (laughs) Mr. May, I can't thank you enough for that introduction, but, you know, people these days are getting so sick and tired, so fed up, you know. Chris Ruddy, thankfully, lets me go out in the streets and talk to regular people about what's on their mind. And it's, one of, to me, one of the best parts of the show. And the fact that, you know, people's real responses, um, they're substantive, but sometimes they're so obvious. Yeah, funny, you know, yeah. The, let's the, try to make it fun. The humor emerges from the way in which you and your and your people handle it. You know, it's, it's really your personalities that make it. It isn't, it isn't as if you're going out of your way to be comedians or anything like that. No, I, I gave up on my aspirations to be a comedian. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes the the news, you look at it and you say, you know, if you didn't want to cry, you just got to laugh. Um, me, so we do try to bring the lighter side to making our point. Now, you, you, I mean, you've had some great shows in the past. Tell, tell, tell people, they'll, they'll remember this immediately when, when, you, when, you, when you tell them. Well, look, we've had uh, some of the biggest names from Chaz Palmentieri. We've had uh, your buddy from WABC, Bo Dito, and Judge Napolitano. But, Rudy, uh, you are two for two. When we have you on Wise Guys, it's always a record-breaking rating night. And uh, the first time you said our show's funny, we're way funnier than Jimmy Kimmel, but Jimmy Kimmel lampooned us, and we got some monster ratings and then this past week uh 
so much good stuff we got out of you. We had the best ratings we ever had last week, thanks to you. Um, and we had so much footage that we decided we're going to make it a two-for-one special. So this week uh, we went out and did some more Man on the Street, some fresh stuff. Oh, those are gr- when, you do- when you do those, those, those are great. We did some fresh stuff, um, and we're using some more of the great stuff from Rudy Giuliani, America's Mayor, going to be on this Saturday night at 10 p.m., and you got to catch it because this is – I know you've been on some other shows, and I know, you know you're always gracious to join us, but I feel like when you sit at the table and we can talk about it in long, long form, not in sound bites, that's classic Rudy, and uh, America agrees. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it's what people need. I, I think, and it's not just us. I think they need more of it. They need, they need, uh, they don't have to have big, long explanations, but they got to, you got to go into things a little bit more than the little soundbite or the little two word explanation. You know, like when they used to say, oh, the charges against, uh, against Biden are debunked. Well, you know, how were they debunked? Who debunked them? Show me the freaking report. I mean, they just say, they just say these things. And then they, and so, and then they keep repeating them. But you go into things, but you do it in a way that makes it accessible to people. And I, I really enjoy the show. Sometime I'm going to come on and I'm going to see if I can fool people. And come on as somebody else and be a wise, come on as a wise guy. Come on as a wise guy. Hey, hey you're gonna you're gonna come on as the mask as the mask mafioso. Yeah, yeah. What what do you what, what do you want to talk to me about or what? <laughs> Mr. Mayor, uh, your insights on, uh, on on the raid and and how there's two sets of justice. I mean, people oh. got to tune in and just hear from you. But I, I we, Kara, um, you know. Now little, there you got you got a gem there in Kara. There's not too many people that know more about January 6th than Kara, or are doing more for those people whose civil rights are being trashed. Someday yeah. they're going to be like the Japanese that were interred. They are. Yeah. I um I got I got an update for you there. Kara's been in DC for the last four days. What and a woman. she's been covering covering a trial that's down there. And you know, she writes for Gateway Pundit, she's on Newsmax, she's engrossed in this stuff. But she actually told me, John, I'm so happy because this is the first public defender that I feel like her heart is really in it. Oh wow, good, it good. Makes me, it makes me feel like there's still hope. For, for our country, because even though it's a public defender, she's from D.C., she's probably with the other side, but Kara said this is one of the most fascinating and one of the most enthusiastic defenses she's ever seen. So maybe there's hope out there, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, I t- and I tell you, I, have to, I was impressed with the people in Atlanta. Maybe I'm going to get a bad surprise or whatever. But, you know, for the first time in five years, I'm dealing with prosecutors that act like the ones I used to know. That you know, I, I I never remember this nasty, angry. Uh, uh, some of the defense lawyers were, were, were close; they're friends now. They're sons of friends. Arthur Idala's father. Uh, I tried cases against him, and Arthur is one of my one of my best friends, and and his father is one of my best friends, and his grandfather is one of my best friends. <laughs> State <laughs> Senator Andrew Lanza is a great friend of mine. Um, he used to work as a uh, as a assistant prosecutor in, in uh, Robert Morgenthau's office, um, and he always talks to me till this day about how even though they were adversaries, there was there was yeah. a sense of professional respect for each other, 
and people would go over to Fallini's after a trial. You're and damn right. And yep. drink and sit there at separate tables, and people respected each other. There wasn't an out to get you all the time just because you were a prosecutor or a defense attorney. There was some professional respect, which seems to have been lost, certainly in our city and state. Now, I've, I've been trying cases of one kind or another against Alan Dershowitz for 30 years. And, I've been, and, and he would invite me up to Harvard to, to debate or sometimes even to lecture his law school class. And we've been friends throughout. And we've had unbelievable disagreements about cases and very important cases. But uh, I have great respect for him. I know, I know he's going to make the strongest possible argument he can make for his client. And, uh, you know, one of the rules is you, you, you look at it in the light most favorable to your client. He's brilliant at that. And that's what he should be doing. And that's what I should be doing. I should be matching him. If I'm not, it's my fault. Well, John, I'm going to yeah. tell people what tell, tell, tell people when to, how they get the show on Newsmax when it's on. And well, you got to tune in for the first run. The newest stuff of the week is Saturday nights at 10 p.m. on Newsmax TV. But if you're out, you're enjoying your last few weekends of summer. Uh, it's so nice we do it twice, and it comes back on Sunday at 3 p.m. Sit back and flip it on, and you'll see the best rated show Newsmax's Wise Guys has ever had with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And you can just put on, you know, what do you call that? The DVR, right? Everybody, oh, yeah. everybody has that DVR. now. You just put that DVR on for every week, and then you won't miss it. And you can watch it anytime you want, right? That would be, that would, that's even better. Uh, Here I am now. If I, can do, if I can do the DVR... If I can do the DVR, not, there's not a single person out there. I got a new microphone at home, you know, because sometimes I do the show at home. And I screwed up the screw, putting the screw in, put it in backwards. Now I have to go get some kind of a screw remover. When, when you start having me do this kind of stuff, it's, it's um, and, 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 and uh, I know on Sunday when um, Maria comes for the, she'll do it in two seconds. She'll just look at it and go, boof, boop, boom, boom, boom. And my son was there. My son and uh, granddaughter were over last night, and my son would, would be able to do it. And my, well, your son was killing it the other day, filling in for you. Let well, you were you one of his biggest supporters. He was one of your big. You were one of his biggest supporters. You know, and I appreciate the people who supported him even more than the people. Who support, you, you know what it's like. No, I was talking to John I, I, before I came on. I was talking to John Castamatidis, and I said, one of the ways they used to get to Donald Trump when I was his lawyer, and this is what I hated about the Mueller people, they would put out false reports that Donald Jr. was going to be indicted. Now, I knew he wasn't going to be indicted. I knew it. I knew it I, because I knew what their conclusion was going to be on the, on the campaign finance law. I knew they couldn't bring a criminal charge because there was no money involved. There has to be. You can't just use information as substitute for money, but that was too tough for the press to figure out. But they would they they would drop uh, uh, they, sources close to the investigation say that Donald Trump Jr. and several others will be indicted for conspiracy to obtain information from the Russians on Monday. And for the first three or four times, the president was really really upset, and then eventually. It was like – I wouldn't say it was a joke, but it was done in, in the hope that he would make a mistake. Now, that's not being a prosecutor. That's being uh, – trying to create a crime 
Well, please listen to his show. It's going to be great. And I'm going to sneak on there one time and disguise and we'll see if you can recognize me. Okay. All right. Well, we'd Good. love to have you again. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks, John. Congratulations. Bye. That show's going to the top. I know it. So let's, let's see if we can get a few more of our really nice people in. So let's go to uh, 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 Paula. Paula. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor. Um, I keep praying for you still um, for your complete recovery. Uh, I, um, I'm, I would like to bring your attention to something um, about um, um, millions of votes that could be lost in this coming interim election because uh, voters who are at risk will possibly not be going to the voting booths because uh, there has been no uh, attention to the airborne infection control, which is which uh, is called uh, ultraviolet uh, upper room germicidal and also whole room for ultraviolet. This has been used in schools, hospitals, restaurants, shelters, prison now, jails. Well, I'm not following completely, Paul. This is happening at polling places or it's not happening? No, we don't have it at polling places. And therefore, millions of voters will be lost. They will not be likely to attend because we're not being guaranteed of infection control of the air, which is possible now. They have it in schools, hospitals, restaurants. Is anybody making a big deal of it so it scares people from going? Because the the shot does not prevent you from getting the virus or giving it, but the airborne will have a a strong effect on preventing people. It cleans the air. It prevents the the only point. It prevents the spread of measles, most infectious airborne respiratory diseases, and viruses. And this is something that. If we overlook, we are going to do the same stupid thing that we did before and afterwards do the same complaining. And we, I'm sorry, the, I, this is unforgivable because the at-risk population are the people 65 and over who have the like most me. experience. But I'll vote no matter what. They're not going to stop me from voting with some kind of virus. That Democrats don't vote because of a virus, not Republicans. They might think we're doing this as some kind of a of a of a thing to you know, a way of discouraging them from voting. You know, there are viruses. There are vi- they'll all stick their masks on again. Man, Oof, let's hope that doesn't happen. We we don't need another confusion. We don't need another confusion. Mike, 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 how are you? Okay. Yeah, hi, Mr. Mayor. Uh, in regard to January 6th. Yes, sir. Um, I find it kind of uh, kind of funny or skeptical that five or six Capitol Police committed suicide. Could they have possibly have information, no information, about what actually happened over there? And if so... The police that were by Babbitt when she got shot, could one of them 
be one of those suicide well, victims? Well, you know, I'm going to give you I'll give you something to think about over the weekend. And this is this this I've seen, you know, a thousand times on the most famous of the, or the most played uh, uh, rendition of the shooting about four minutes, three minutes before the shooting. There are two large uh, 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 Capitol Hill policemen guarding the door to Pelosi's uh, chambers. They look like defensive linemen. And uh, and they uh, they have it pretty well secured, although somebody might have taken a shot at it before because you can see a little one broken a little bit. And uh, the Antifa guy who's been identified to me as an Antifa guy, the other guy, I don't have his identity. But the Antifa guy talks them out of uh, be uh, remaining there and they give up their post. They give up their post within two minutes of the shooting. When they give up the post, the two guys, the Antifa guy and another guy, begin to bang on the door, smashing it open, trying to smash it open, smash it open. When they hear the word gun, they step back and they cease. And everybody either crouches down or remains at the height level. She is listed above the crowd. Now, they say she was trying to jump in. She also could have been, uh, it looked, and it does look like people were picking her up, either to help her jump in or picking her up. And somehow the cop knows to shoot up rather than down. And the door that was being knocked in was being knocked in low, not high. So it's a very, look, I've had homicide detectives look at this and they have uh, so many questions. This is going to be worth a documentary. And uh, uh, it's a very, very sad, sad case. And it's the reason why you cannot trust any of those people on that committee. They're evil people by ignoring Ashley Babbitt. It makes them bad, immoral people. We'll be back with the mayor's final word. Rudy Giuliani. Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. This is uh, Rudy Giuliani, and I am back with the mayor's final thoughts, which are sponsored by Tunnel to Towers. And Tunnel to Towers uh, is uh, one of the most... uh, wonderful organizations in this in this country it takes care of our uniform members uh, who lose their life in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured and they uh, take care of mortgages they build smart homes they um, they're just wonderful people and they're there uh, you know for other things too when there are hurricanes and when there are natural disasters, and they'll, they'll try to eke out time for that, too, without if it doesn't jeopardize their main mission. Well, my final thoughts today are going to be a bit of a surprise for you because I am a, 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 an out-of-control, totally crazy baseball fan. And uh, if I were doing the show a couple of years ago, we would be discussing the Yankees quite a bit. They broke my heart when they uh, embraced Black Lives Matter. And... Um, I still love them. I still root for them. But there's an emotion about it that's very, very hard. Because I know uh, how much the police love them. And, uh, and I know the Black Lives Matter is dedicated to killing the police and encouraging people to kill police. 
And I don't know how the Yankees and Major League Baseball missed the fact that at every single Black Lives Matter rally, they say pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. And that they are responsible for the massive increase in the number of police officers who have been killed. If a Republican organization, every time they had a rally, said to kill people, then maybe, just maybe, they might be right that white supremacy is really the biggest problem in this country. That is a bunch of hooey. There's no white supremacist organization that is responsible for the death of as many people as Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Nobody died at the Capitol but Ashley Babbitt. And these creeps, these dishonest liars on the committee, these people with no heart, ignore her murder. You can't finish an investigation of January 6th and not explain the murder of Ashley Babbitt. It doesn't make sense. If that murder wasn't affixed by the police department, gosh, I wasted a lot of time on the NAP commission. I prosecuted successfully 70 police officers when I was a young assistant U.S. attorney. One of the hardest things I had to do, because I came from a family of cops, love cops, to see them selling drugs and taking money from the mafia and taking money from Fat Tony Salerno, it disgusted me. I, I don't know why people think I'm different now. Is it possible I'm right and they're wrong? Is that possible? I mean, I was right about Russian collusion and they were wrong. I was right when I said I'm not a Russian agent, and they were dead wrong, including those 51 people. Like Brennan, huh? who said I was a Russian agent. Like half the people on television. Possible that I'm right and they're wrong? So far, uh, as we've uh, discovered the lying, it's all been on their side. But they're the ones who hid the hard drive. I wanted to put it out. Information I put out in early uh, 20, uh, uh, 2020 turns out all to be true about, about Ukraine. Well, I'm going to ask you to pay attention this weekend and have a little fun tonight. Tune in on ESPN at 7 o'clock and watch the Massapequa Coast Little League, which is the first Little League from Long Island to make it to the uh, World Series, the Little League World Series in, gee, I don't know how many years, like like forever and ever and ever. They beat Tom's River, which has been in in the uh, final, in, in the uh, World Series now like four of the last five years and made it like to, I think, one of the final games. So they beat a good team. Not only did they beat them, but Joey Leonetti pitched a no-hitter. Can you imagine bringing bringing your team to the Little League World Series on the back of a no-hitter? Boy, that kid's got to be proud. I mean, his parents probably even more proud. Uh, for nothing. Now, the games can be on television. Uh, now, this, 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 this uh, confuses me a bit. And I grew up in Nassau County, by the way, and I spent my summers in Suffolk County. And I played on the Garden City South Little League. And I am very, very embarrassed to tell you I once played for the Garden City South Red Sox. And there is a picture of me in a Red Sox uniform, which was used by the Daily News to say I was a traitor. 
and they once superimposed a Red Sox hat on me. I mean, a real Red Sox hat on me. I have never worn a Red Sox hat, and I've never signed one. Although I actually like the Red Sox, but want to beat the hell out of them. But watch the game tonight, okay? And then we can discuss it on Sunday. It could be great. Watch those kids play. It's pure baseball. God bless America and God bless baseball. And bring us through this, God, please. We're your, we're your, we're your favorite country. We know that. God bless you.